Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 64, Maureen Wilson, running for City Councilor in Ward 1, recorded on September 12, 2018. Maureen Wilson, you're running for City Councilor in Ward 1. Welcome to the Public Records, the 155 podcast. Thank you, Joey. Firstly, tell us, who is Maureen Wilson? I'm an urban planner. I am a mother of three children. My husband is Terry Cook. I live in Ward 1, and I am a champion of cities, the people who live there, and the nature around them. Why are you running? There are several reasons why I'm running. The three biggest are named Lane O'Hara, Francis, and Wilson. They are my and my husband, Terry Cook's, children. I want my kids to grow up in a great city. I want to help realize the vision of this city to be the best place to raise a child and to age successfully. Um, In order to do that, I think we need to do five things better together. We need stronger neighborhoods to build a strong city. We need to build public transit across Hamilton. We need to enhance our public spaces to make us proud as Hamiltonians. We need to invest with purpose when we are spending taxpayer money. In order to do that, we need to plan with purpose. We need to create safer shared streets for all types of users. Do you live in Ward 1, yes or no? Yes. Does it matter if one lives in the community one seeks to represent? Yes, I think it will make for a better counselor. It's analogous to your home. You know which room is warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer and where the natural light flows, and that comes from being familiar with the ward. How have you contributed to your community and our city? As a professional, I started out in municipal government, and I have served in several leadership capacities. I started as a strategic planner, but I was quickly seconded to head up a municipal government restructuring initiative that won a gold medal from the International Association of City Managers for the unique and meaningful way it involved the public in its deliberations. As a corporate assistant to the region's CAO, I was also the senior policy advisor to our region's place at the table on the Who Does What panel. The Who Does What panel came to fruition in 1996-97, I believe, at the bequest of Premier Mike Harris. And what the mandate of the Who Does What panel was to try and disentangle the, the services that were provided by the province and municipal governments and to study was the service being provided by the proper agency and was it being funded from the proper source. Um, So I staffed our region's role on that. The panel issued its recommendations, and interestingly, Premier Harris did exactly the opposite. And I'd like to bring that experience with me to the horseshoe, because it is my belief that the current provincial government under Premier Ford will also have to look to municipalities and recalibrate that relationship if it is going to meet its financial targets, however vague they might be. I was also, I was the first ever executive 
assistant to the office of the regional chair, where I did oversee very large, very complex files. And then I became, I believe, the first female chief of staff to a big city mayor in Ontario. I was Bob Wade's chief of staff, the first mayor under a newly amalgamated city of Hamilton. And when I started, when I left to start a family, over 80% of Mayor Wade's agenda had been implemented. I'm proud of all that I have done and how I treated the people I worked with. And as a resident, I have been focused the last number of years on what I called citizen capacity building. I've been working with neighborhood associations and community groups from across the entire city to discuss different city building initiatives and ideas to equip citizens with the insights that they may need in order to be more active and more effective in their role as citizens. And I've contributed many articles on various city building topics. But specifically, I was a registered participant to the OMB Tribunal on Ward Boundaries, pushing for fair representation. I have organized three citywide events on different subjects related to city building. The first was on the topic of intensification, a citizen's guide to understanding infill and intensification. I worked with over 25 neighborhood associations and community groups on that endeavor. The second was the first ever State of Our Neighborhoods address, an evening with Mayor Fred Eisenberger, where we filled Leuna Station with neighborhood activists and residents who were able to pose direct questions to the mayor and receive direct answers. And more importantly, they were able to sit in a room and meet each other. And that's an essential part of city building. And the last event that I worked with neighborhood associations was at McMaster Innovation Park. It was called Getting to 880. And we brought in 880 City, which is an international organization, to talk to us about the goal of being an 880 City. And basically, it means if you build a city for an 8-year-old and an 80-year-old, you will build a city that is better for every citizen. So we brought in a transportation engineer from McMaster University, a gerontologist from McMaster University, talking to us about aging in Hamilton and the risk of social isolation and what that means for the built form, transportation. We also brought in people that have been active in their own part of the city, leading the way on making the city safer and realizing the vision of being the best place to raise a child. What are your two priorities for Ward 1 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? I have a five-point platform, That is, but if you wish me to isolate two for Ward 1, I would certainly have to say safer shared streets and better public spaces. We have a city with an infrastructure that has largely overbuilt. Um, in the 1950s, a transportation consultant came to Hamilton and said, if your goal is efficiency, you should widen your lanes and provide for one-way streets in order to move workers down, primarily to the industrial waterfront. But our economy has changed, but we're left with that overbuilt infrastructure that is designed for speed. I think if we want to realize our vision of being the best place to raise a child and to age successfully, we have to rethink the design of our city if we're serious about reaching the goal of Vision Zero. And better public spaces because 
in a world that is increasingly segregated by income, good public spaces still have the capacity of bringing people together so that they encounter difference, whether it's difference in income, difference in age, difference in, in ethnicity. It really is about local democracy and building better cities. As for the city of a whole, two priorities, I would have to say affordable housing, given the pressures of rising costs, limited supply, and we have to, ha to tackle that for a whole bunch of reasons. If people do not have a safe, secure place in which to rest their head every night, it affects their employment outcomes and possibilities. It affects their trajectory at school and their performance. It affects their physical and their mental health and their well-being. It's just a, a baseline service and need that we have to get a handle on because we do we are at the point of a crisis right now. And I would also have to say better transit. And that means all-day GO service and LRT and the BLAST network across Hamilton. What are three skills you will bring to elected office that make you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on City Council? I'm the only candidate for Ward 1 with experience. I've worked in senior leadership positions in local and regional government in Hamilton, so I can bring that to work right now. Secondly, I have a proven track record of being able to work with different people from different parts of the city who have different priorities. I've been able to bring people together to get things done, and I think you see that also reflected in the variety of people who are endorsing my campaign. Uh, they come from different parts of the city. They have different ideologies, different practices, but they see the potential in me, and they have seen it in action, my ability to get things done and bridge divides. And finally, I think I'm a strategic thinker. I can see patterns and events or connections between issues, sometimes before others do, and I can connect those dots and anticipate them, because city building is all about connecting dots. A healthy, sustainable, prosperous city is never the result of one dot. And most problems can never be solved by looking at one dot. It's about stringing dots together and what impacts what. Hamilton zoning regulations prevent the building of multi-unit clustered housing, which is in scale with existing single-family housing, commonly referred to as the missing middle. There are approximately 100,000 Hamiltonians in their 20s, and approximately 140,000 Hamiltonians over the age of 65. The missing middle is medium-density transit-connected housing in walkable communities and is important to young renters, first-time owners, and critical for seniors seeking to successfully age in place in the communities they've lived for decades. As a member of City Council, you will need to address housing challenges in Hamilton. You will face opposition to infill development and provincially mandated intensification. How will you respond to concerns about development, and where do you believe mid-density growth should occur in your ward? First of all, by leading the conversation in my ward as to why infill and intensification is necessary in all parts of the community, and secondly, by being honest in what is possible in navigating the development process. I will not play the old game of voting against a development to appease my residents, knowing full well that the balance of council will approve it. And finally, I will stand up to nimbyism when there is no planning merit. I will listen honestly to community concerns and I will aim for the best development outcome. 
but I will be honest with Ward 1 residents about the realities of the planning process, what is possible, and also about the political realities. I think that mid-density growth should occur predominantly on transit corridors. In Ward 1, for example, we're seeing it at Lock Street, Dundurn, Main Street West. That's where it's happening now. And there's already mid, medium, mid-sized density on places like Whitney Avenue. There are good examples of great infill, like the Allenby Lofts is an adaptive reuse on Hunter Street, the old candy factory on Margaret Street. These are, if we build for beauty, that will help us in making the case for infill. Town and gown tensions, a phrase coined by academics, are nearly as old as universities themselves. In one of the most famous examples, a three-day riot in Oxford resulted in 62 students and nearly as many townspeople dead in the year 1355. The Scholastica Day riot broke out after a dispute about beer in a local tavern. Luckily, town and gown conflicts today are much tamer and involve much more substantive issues. As the Ward 1 councillor, you will be responsible for representing both town and gown. How will you effectively represent both and successfully mediate to create solutions which balance both interests? For me, the answer always comes back to citizenship. Citizenship is about rights, but it's also about responsibility. And so I think we have to be clear on our expectations on both those fronts. So what do we expect from student residents in our city, in our communities? And what should they expect from us, those of us who live here permanently? I think if you have those conversations about expectations, that's a first step. And then you have conversations about, well, how can we meet those expectations? And it's my fundamental belief that when people feel a part of something, then they take ownership for it. If you feel as a student that you are a part of the community, you're more likely to participate in it. You're more likely to take care of it and be and hold yourself responsible for it. And as a permanent, if you will, year-round resident, we have to provide for real opportunities and welcoming opportunities for students to participate in our civic affairs, in our neighborhood associations, places where we meet and greet and can find commonality. I think sometimes we have a vision of students that it's party all the time, but it's actually a, it can be a very stressful time in a young person's life. For many of those students, it's the first time living away from home. I think we're realizing some of the risks of mental health. These kids are under an awful lot of strain, pressure to perform. So what's our role in helping them along the way? And what's their role in helping us in keeping the community the way that we want to keep it and how it looks, how it sounds, how it, how it is? And the other important part of that town and gown conversation is these kids are getting a first-rate education. It's in our self-interest as Hamiltonians to retain that talent here because they are the thinkers, they are the entrepreneurs, they have all of this 
energy and insight and now education. And we need to provide the magnets to attract and retain them here. And if they've had a good experience as residents here, if we provide good transit, safe, affordable housing, great spaces, entertainment throughout the city, then they're they're more likely to want to invest and stay here. So I think these things have to be thought of when we're talking about the town and gown. We have to play the long game. We have to have these conversations. We have to have a place for everyone at the table when we're talking about how we're building our neighborhoods and our cities, and we need to keep talking and involve each other. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? When I was working on the restructuring initiative in Hamilton-Wentworth, the province appointed a special advisor, and the special advisor asked me to go to New York City to study how the Big Apple worked with its boroughs in the provision of its services. And it's there where I first came across the term co-terminality. So let me jump ahead to the criticism sometimes I'm hearing at the door. It's someone sees a city works crew outside their door, digging up their street, and then it's paved over. And then a month or six months later, a different crew comes along, has to dig everything up in order to do something else. And it makes the resident feel frustrated that they don't know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And what co-terminality is all about is ensuring that the frontline workers and the mid-management on down look at the way in which they deliver services almost on a neighborhood basis. So as a Ward 1 counselor, I would seek to meet with all the active departments who are providing services or planning services in the ward. And we would meet regularly to ensure that we're looking at the neighborhoods in a holistic manner. That's called co-terminality. When you organize your organization in such a way that it's sort of cross-disciplinary, the various departments are there, and they're there at the level where residents live and work and often play. And the second thing, I think I would take a page out of Jeanette Sadiq Khan's book of looking at temporary urban changes. You know, try something and see if it succeeds or fails. If it fails, then we don't do any more of it. If it succeeds, then we do more of it and we try it somewhere else. And that's how innovation happens. That's how brave urban change is made. And that's how success can be shown. And that's how it can be implemented and repeated across different parts of the city. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? If elected, the first thing I would call for would be a task force on voter turnout in this community. It is depressingly low. And so how do we address that? Everything from ranked ballots to possibly electronic voting to voting by mail, doing what we need to do as a city to make it easier for people to engage and to vote. And because there is an impact on outcome, you know, you can get elected in this community with 35, 36% of the vote. And then you have to look further at where is that vote packed and who you are 
where you live and how you live does impact your view, your need of government. So it's really important that we provide the opportunity and do what we have to do in order to encourage people to vote, but also to underscore how important it is to vote and why it is important to them and how it can affect their life. So for me, that's, that's critical. And the second change would be working to provide for safer shared streets, because not only could the outcomes be real in terms of saving people's lives, it's also, it says a lot about what we view the purpose of a city to be. And the city is about people. And how we design our streets says a lot about where we put our priorities. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked balloting enables voters to choose by prioritizing candidates, such as the top three, they feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? I support ranked ballots. It's doable. It's within our legislative mandate. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? By being conscientious about being prepared for meetings, by focusing on policy, not involving myself in operations, by taking a citywide perspective, by listening to learn, by being respectful of all delegations to council, by trying to remain seated as much as possible when council is in order, by being courteous and respectful of the professional public servants that work for the municipality and therefore the residents of Hamilton, by getting out into the constituency, by leading discussions about that city building is about connecting dots. I'm also hoping to encourage the neighborhood associations within Ward 1 to meet with me regularly together. I'd like to host a Ward 1 meeting in each of the four neighborhoods over the course of the four years. I'd like to put in place a tracking system that will communicate with residents. If their question, for example, to me had to be forwarded to staff for review, that they be told where it's going and why. Again, to help understand how municipal government works and to get back to them on when we anticipate a response, where is it sitting? Um, I'd also like to work on our ability to use technology to involve citizens so they can follow the actions of council. I, I find it really hard still to navigate the city's website so they can understand the workings of committees. I'd like to err on the side of openness in government. If you're interested in accessing something that's open data, making sure it's in a form that's usable, and if you're interested in accessing something about the activity of government, erring on the side of openness. How will the City of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? The council would have to assess the candidate's ability to deliver on the strategic plan. So how have they demonstrated the ability to connect the dots of city building in their previous posts? And have they had a singular view or experience in municipal government? So, for example, have they worked most of their career in a single department? Or have they had different kinds of exposures within a municipality in their past? How have they demonstrated curiosity? And how have they served their profession in their community? outside of their profession as a resident. 
Do they have the proven capacity for innovation in municipal government? How have they done that in the past? Have they sought to empower the people who worked for them in the past? And how have they worked to create a culture of innovation and risk-taking? And do they reflect the makeup of the community? Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? It's the same approach we've taken to raising our three kids that are growing into three citizens, and that while they are each important, they're part of a larger entity that we all have to give and take, and that sometimes fair does not mean equal. Sometimes we have to allocate more resources to people with higher needs, and some neighborhoods need more because they have more challenges. Some schools need more if we want schools to be continue to be the great equalizer. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we will use to describe your term on council, and what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? For me, courageous, focused, constructive, and for council, they were courageous. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks that you wish to share? Running for public office is a great privilege. It's been a great experience, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Thank you for the opportunity to reach more people and discuss issues that I think are important. Thank you for joining us. I wish to thank the Dundas branch of the Hamilton Public Library for the use of their makerspace where we recorded this podcast. A note for listeners, at some point you could hear children in the background. The makerspace is right beside the children's area of the library, and it's an excellent enjoyment for me looking and seeing the kids look into the podcast with amazement and smiles. So again, thank you for listening. This has been episode 64 of the Public Records, the 155 podcast. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.